If you've been enjoying this podcast over weeks or months or even years, I'd be so grateful if you could please leave us a five-star review so others can hear about the show. Thanks so much. Welcome to Grow Cookie to Range, the podcast of me, Sarah Raven, and a lovely selection of different guests. Today, I am joined again by our returning guest, Josie Lewis, who is the head gardener here at Perch Hill. And the reason that I've asked her to come on this one is that we share a sort of vague background in science. And Josie, before she became a gardener, was, this is quite a mouthful, a veterinary pharmacokinetic person, pharmacologist. So she, like me, is quite interested in the sort of research part of what we do in horticulture and trying to push the boundaries forward on things. And one of the things that we have a joint passion for are dahlias. And the thing about dahlias is that they are the most floriferous plant that you can possibly grow. I've banged on about this quite enough in that if you plant a metre of peonies, you get a third of a bucket of cut flowers. If you plant a metre of dahlias, you get 30 to 50 uh, buckets of cut flowers. But it's not just that. There's just the most incredible range. And it's the range we're going to talk about because Josie and I, but really led by Josie, are planning a whole dahlia breeding programme here at Perch Hill. Welcome, Josie. Thank you very much. Nice to be back again. Good. And the thing that we're going to just try and explain is one, I guess, why we're interested, but perhaps that's obvious, but also how you actually do it. And we've, we've sort of skirted over this a little bit in the past, but I really wanted to go into a bit more detail for those of you who are interested in it, because it is such an area of excitement at the moment. And both here in the Netherlands, in Holland, in America, and in, interestingly, New Zealand, actually, there are huge breeding programs going on with the Dahlia family at the moment. And so that's what we're going to discuss, a sort of background to that. We're spurred into doing it today because Josie did a little bit of breeding last year, which she's going to explain to us. And actually, she came in a couple of days ago to say that some of her seed that she harvested from her cross-fertilization process have germinated. And so that is super, super exciting. So Josie, will you just explain exactly what you did and then I'll kind of take it through to the end point of, of breeding it out, etc. Okay. So if we go right back to the beginning, seeds, as we know, is a complete game of chance. So you either get lucky or you don't. Mm. So going even further back then, my research days, back to A-level biology, I'm sure we'll all remember this. So any plant's objective in life is to reproduce itself. So the original dahlias in Central, Central America, where they came from, yeah. they were single-flowered, you know, open, single-flowered, not very impressive, but the insects had perfect access to them, and that's, that's what they're there for. Mm. Uh, they want to reproduce themselves. So these traits are always going to be dominant, so you're always going to get single-flowered and, you know, the open the open mm. single flowers. Uh, and it wasn't until breeders started 
beginning of the 19th century, I would think, you know, a long time ago, they started selective breeding and some of these recessive traits of the double petals. So they would have a throwback occasionally to a double. Yes. And so they started selecting out those doubles. Exactly. And then breeding those together. Mm. And then, so as they look more and more into the genetics of dahlias, you know, because it, it threw up so many different combinations of things, you know, that all the colors kept coming out uh, and different forms kept appearing. And most most plants and humans, you know, we have two sets of chromosomes, so we're diploids. Yeah. Uh, but dahlias, they think, are octoploids, so they have eight sets of chromosomes. Wow. And there is some debate on this. Some think they might be tetraploids, having four sets. But if we go with the thought that they've got eight sets, so there's sort of an infinite... Gosh. Ability to produce different forms and different colours. No blue gene, so you'll never get a no, blue dahlia. That's true. They isn't haven't it? found that. Yeah. So, like you say, in America, they're doing uh, a lot of breeding and they're trying to map map the genome to see what, you know exactly what's there, which would make our breeding so much easier. Oh. Uh, but of course, there's so much, you know, there's so much information there. It's it's not an easy thing to do. The other thing that dahlias have is transposons. So, this, sorry, this is getting a bit sciencey, isn't it? it? it that is very sciencey, oh, Josie. Explain so to the layman what it, it's a little genetic element, and it can cut and paste itself. So, in modern technology terms, it can cut it and paste itself onto a new place in the DNA sequence. Ah. So, even though you may have a stable, you think you've got a stable plant. Uh, it it can move this bit of DNA and you'll get, you know, all sorts of different colours and, you know, even more variables, basically. Can I just stop you for a minute there? So so would that explain, like, I remember we've had some varieties which are normally double and then suddenly we get a single on that. And I'm trying to think of one of the characters. It was Mango Madness, wasn't it? That was used to, it throws out all sorts of flowers. So that that would explain that, would it? Is I would, it? Yes, I would yeah. think that's that's one okay. of the reasons it does that. You know, it's not that we're sending out odd tubers. Mm. It's just something the dahlia does because they're so unstable. There's so much, that's, you know, the, because they're octoploids, it's, yeah, it's really so interesting. tricky. Okay. And of course, the other thing you can get is sports. So you'll have, uh, you know, a normal coloured dahlia and it'll send, say, a red dahlia and it'll send off an orange branch. Yes, a flowered flowered branch. So that's a sport and you can take cuttings from that. Yes. And then you could grow that on and it might always be stable as the orange but then you have to grow it on for two or three years to to, to check, check it's stable. Yes. Yeah. So again, we have that with autumn orange. That's so, it. Yes. Yeah, autumn yeah. orange is basically the most beautiful one which is sort of red and yellow together which make orange but kind of stippled and then sometimes you just get one that is very, very orange and sometimes one that's very, very red or whatever. Yes. You know, yeah. it really does vary on and one plant. That's it, yes, mm. which makes an overall beautiful effect. Mm. But yes, it is. It is okay, that's like so that. interesting. So what did you do to get the seed that's now uh, germinating Germinate. in the polytunnel? So, um, well, we started too late last season, yeah. so it, it's not a good example really. Uh, so we... I, I chose two dahlias that we'd like to cross. We'll we'll go through perhaps in a minute what what your ideal would be. So okay. you know, we, I 
chosen two parents, which I think might cross. Um, and then you put, when the bud's still tight, you put an organza, you know those jewellery organza bags yes. with the drawstrings. Mm-hmm. So put one of those over the, the bud, pull mm-hmm. the drawstring tight, and you wait for the dahlia to open. So that stops the bees getting in That's and it. pollinating yes. it. Yeah. So once it's open enough, I mean, there's there's a lot more detail online on on how to do this. I won't go into all that now. Okay. But once the pollen appears and then with your other parent, mm-hmm. so, so you've got A and B, so you go to parent B and take the pollen from that. I mean, what, what I did was take the whole flower and just tap it onto parent A. But people say you, you have to do it three days in a row and you can do it with a paintbrush then. Uh to okay. transfer it but I was much more Heath Robinson and just took the whole flower and put it on and you're looking for the stigma there so you've got the yes. pollen yeah which is the male sex cell of That's one it. and the stigma which is above yes the female sex cell of the other a yeah. let's say yes and so you need to make sure now the thing that I don't understand is with a double variety yeah I mean let's say Rip City for instance yeah you don't see a stigma, so so how do you well, do that? If you leave them long enough, oh. you know that it'll it'll eventually open out. Okay, um, and you can take the petals off. Oh. It doesn't. You can take half the petals off the flower at first, and then it, that'll expose the center. Okay, um, so you can you know you can expose. They'll all have that center, but it'll be hidden away in some cases. So even the highly bred varieties will still have. They should have a centre. The, yeah. the centre, yes. okay. The because stigma. they always, what they want to do is reproduce yeah. themselves. So yeah. they'll always have. Yeah. But because you get ones that are good seed setters, some aren't at all. Yeah, right. And you know that's, that's what you're looking for, really. So once you've got a good seed parent, you can use that one to breed lots of other things with. Ah, and so do you then put the organza bag around once you've done the pollination? That's right. So that goes, so you've done your pollination, the bag goes back on because a bee could visit with random pollen. Mm. So the bag goes back on and then you let it mature and you can, you know, you can pull all all the petals off then so they don't get soggy. You're trying, you really want it to be dry weather Mm. because the pollen isn't viable in once it gets wet mm. uh, and you don't want the, the seed head getting soggy either mm. uh, and then about six weeks or so until the seed matures and once it starts to get you know that that little brown it starts to get a little bit mm. crispy let's call it mm-hmm. but it's not crisp yeah and then you can pick them and then store them cool you know I'd, I'd take them out of the seed head and okay. I just stored them in the organza bag somewhere cool over winter and you can go through them in autumn when you pick them but I went through them in spring taking off all the chaff so all the papery bit mm-hmm. and you're looking for quite a, a thick black seed you know again you, you, if you have a look online they'll they'll show you all the different sta- viable seed and non-viable seed so you're not wasting your time and they're quite substantial dahlia seeds aren't they, they are yes you can pick them up easily you know mm. you don't need tweezers or anything mm. and then you know come mid-march probably we sowed them and yes, yes, some of them are, have sprouted and are growing. But of course, if you're if you're an actual dahlia breeder, I mean, I've, I've got to mention Christine Albrecht from Santa Cruz Dahlias mm-hmm. in America. I mean, if you want helpful guidance, she is amazing. She she has really interesting 
uh, work she's doing on it. And she's done a book, hasn't she? She's done a book. That's we'll put it on. the um, reference to that in the podcast yes, notes. Yeah, yeah. She's really worth having a look at. She'll have thousands of seeds. Wow. You know, it's just huge what the daily breeders like her are actually doing. Uh, you know, what we're doing is just very small comparatively. Well, so far. Yeah. Uh, and then you plant out all your seedlings, have a look at them in the first year, obviously when the frosts have gone, you know, like you would your normal dahlias, you plant out your seedlings. Yeah. Have a look at them and, you know, they'll, they'll be quite ruthless. So mm. when they come up and the flower's wrong, they'll rip the dahlia out straight mm. away mm. because they say, you know, they've got thousands. They can't keep every plant. But if you're just doing a bit of home breeding, mm. How you, rewarding it, yeah, is that? Yeah, you, I mean, it might be something you love. Yeah. It yeah. could be, a, you know, that you could strike lucky on the first cross. Yeah. Well, I, I just want to butt in there because, I mean, we'll come back to Josie, but I mean, this is where I've got involved in the past is yes. I then go and visit dahlia breeders and walk through their fields. That's the stage they're at. Yeah. Yes. And their field one, normally they may have a thousand, two thousand, where each plant is an individual. So they're yes. completely unique. Yeah, yeah. But they may have a thousand, two thousand. And then you go into field two and they've already selected a few from field one the previous year and grown them on to see if they're good tuber formers. And then you go into field three and they've got them where they've got a block of maybe 20 where they've taken cuttings and divided the tubers. So they're beginning right, to buck yes. them up. Yeah. And um, so we were in Holland last August and we're going again this August and Josie's coming with me. And so we have made a selection from field one, which will now hopefully be in field two, but we also made some selections from field three, which is going to be new varieties, which are going to be in spring 24, which are Adam's choice, because Adam, my husband, came with me at that time, and also Skipper's choice, which is named after our friend Dickie. But um, so so back to you, but that, you know, it's just like that is then how it it gets out to the customer, isn't it? So the breeder then decides, selects... Yes, so from Shipper's Choice that that you brought back, yeah. so I did get some seed from that. Oh. So even now we can be breeding from a new dahlia. Oh, wow, that's um, incredible. So it's interesting to see what will come out of that. Um, so that would be completely random because we yes. don't know. It might yep. have got fertilised in Holland because I brought right. back a plant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So it could have been anywhere. And it was sitting next to Adam's choice oh, when it came here. So that, exciting. <laughs> that would be a nice, interesting Dickie cross. Dickie meet Adam. Yes. I <laughs> <laughs> don't know what we'd call that one. Uh, so, yeah, so if you've got your plant and you're happy with it, mm. so so perhaps we could talk about what you'd look for in mm. an ideal plant. Mm. So it would be colour. Mm. So your choice would be? I really like those sort of coppery, mahogany rich, um, sort of slightly variable. I mean, that's what Adam's choice is. Or I, I like sort of burnt orange kind of creme brulee colours with toffee yes. and sort of cream. But then Skipper's, Skipper's Bronze is, is that really. Yes. Um, yeah. But I also like, I mean, I do like the ones for pollinators, but I also do, of course, love cut flowers. So one of the things that I'm really interested in working on breeding is ones that have an extended vase life because one of the things we're trying to do is really develop cut flowers that really last in the vase. And of course, dahlias are utterly, utterly wonderful in all ways. But unfortunately, like sweet peas, I couldn't claim they have good vase lives. 
but we have worked with breeders to develop two, Molly Raven and Perch Hill, which seem to have a uncharacteristically long vase life. So for me, vase life would be important too. Yes. But what about you, Josie? Well, we'll probably differ on this one, leaf colour. Oh, yeah, 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 Um, yeah. I'm not keen on the darker leaves. I'm not sure I am, actually. They make it quite a contrasty thing, don't they? Yeah, that's right. It has to be specific colours, I think, with the dark leaves. Yeah. Like blackjack works. Yeah, But that's one of the few. And also the the form of the leaf. You know, some leaves are sort of quite ugly. Yeah. Whereas some are really beautifully cut. You know, if you think of Dahlia murkii, which is species, I know. But yeah. beautiful foliage. Beautiful foliage, yeah. yeah. Whereas the ever popular Café au lait, yeah. I mean, it has such coarse, boring That's right. leaves, yeah. doesn't ugly, it? Ugly leaves. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then the, the, f- the form of the dahlia, mm. you know, water lilies, like you've said, mm. singles you like. Mm. Um, I, yeah, I'm quite fond of the pom-poms and the mm. balls because they're, they're so contrast with other yeah, things. Don't I agree. They? I'm really, more and more, I'm, I'm getting really keen on those. When we were at the trial in Holland last year, I, I fell on Vino, which actually is one I've grown here in the yes. past, which is a sort of rich crimson. And it literally looks like a, a drumstick end, you yes. know. I mean, they are yeah. called drumstick dahlias, but it, it, it and, and I, I agree. I love that in contrast to the sort of blousiness of the others. I, I really like yes. those. Yeah, they do have their place. Um, and then the height we'd be looking for, are we breeding for pots yeah. or like you say, for cut flowers? So if it's cut flowers, you want long, strong stems yeah. and a lot of them come out with quite weak stems. Yeah. So you obviously wouldn't choose those. Lou Farman's got particularly long stems. Yeah, actually. really actually nice. Sarah Raven's pretty good too. Yes. So which, which are the two that you know you've got seedlings germinating in the tunnel now? What were the two parents? So I've got across quite... A lot of the ones I did with Hermione because that's a shorter because it's looking for something to go in a pot. Ah, yes. So I, I, I think it's Shipper's Bronze with Hermione, um, and possibly Lou Farman with Hermione as Re- well. Describe Hermione to everyone. It was uh, what? What do we say? Fifty centimeters, probably. Pinky. We we all liked it. Mm. I'm trying to think what it's like compared to what people would know. Mm. Um, so it did Brand sh- new. Yeah, new, lots of shades of pink in it mm. um, and a decorative. Mm. So Very nice. So, yeah, because it was so prolific, I'm, mm. I'm hoping that, that something will Great. come out of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, like we've bred one Skipper's Bronze, which we've talked about quite a bit now, but unfortunately that is a really bad tuber former. Yes. So the yeah. only way we can keep growing that is from micro propagation which makes it more expensive which is a real shame but it's such a unique variety and it literally does look like creme brulee it's like the burnt sugar on the top and the custard soft sort of custard uh color underneath and it's that mix of of bronze and and very pale yellow into ochre which is so stunning i think yes yeah yeah it's a shame it doesn't form good tubers and of course that's the other thing you're you're breeding for you know once you've got your so all this, say all this came together on a plant, you then grow it on, see what the tubers are like. Yeah. And it, if they're feeble and hopeless, you're not going to pursue it. You yeah. know, it, it's not commercial, commercially yeah. viable. It's absolutely fine in your garden yeah. for a home breeder. But, you know, for us, it's it's a different story, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And also you're, you're looking for good seed setters. Yeah. So you, you yeah. know you can breed from that. Reliably. Yes, yeah. And vigorous plants, obviously, is the other thing. You don't yeah. want some feeble 
Yeah. Um, so it's quite, a, it's quite a demand, it's quite isn't a it? quite a list, isn't to it? Get, yeah. To get a cracking plant. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah there is quite a lot. And then the also the other thing is, you know, do you want early or late blooming? You yes. know, like totally tangerine, always the first out. Absolutely. Whereas blackjack is always the last. Late, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So if, if it's something that you're specifically growing for, then yeah. that's what you've got to aim for as well. Okay, well... So lots to think about there. I hope that's sort of thought-provoking for you all. And and I guess Josie and I would really like to encourage you as as we move into summer with your dahlias coming coming into flower to really think about maybe do a bit of home breeding. And we're certainly going to try and we're working with a home breeder in, in the UK at the moment to do quite a new exciting range of what's called collarette dahlias, which are the ones that are single, but they have an extra collar in the center of the flower of mini petaloids. Uh, so there's lots going to be going on here. And um, what I would say to you all is come and see the dahlias and the dahlia trial, and even the dahlias that Josie has grown from seed this August, September, when we're open, when the dahlias are at their peak. So thank you, Josie. Anything else we need to, you want to part with on that? Just keep buying dahlias, keep growing dahlias. They're <laughs> fabulous. They're fabulous. <laughs> they are. Thanks so much for listening to Grow Coquita Range. It was lovely talking to Josie about dahlia breeding, which is something that as we get into our dotage, we want to do more and more and more of. It's really exciting. And uh, Josie's actually coming with me to Holland in early autumn for us to visit breeders and chat about breeding more and more. And next week, I'm joined by somebody who I've recently met, who I'm incredibly inspired by, Olya Hercules, who is a chef and cookery writer from Ukraine. She's cooked in Italy. She's cooked back here in the UK. And she's a wonderful cook and really fantastic cookery book writer. And I couldn't more recommend her recipes and her books. Anyway, it's going to be wonderful talking to her next week at such a, such a difficult time for anyone born and brought up in Ukraine. You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes we talk about on this podcast by heading to the show notes or at sarahraven.com forward slash podcast.